Good morning to each of you. My name is Sherelle Parker. I am an unapologetically proud pro-union and pro-building trades Democratic candidate for mayor of the city of Philadelphia. That's Sherelle Parker accepting the Building Trades Council endorsement for mayor in February in her characteristic rhetorical style, her voice rising as she speaks, delivering her characteristic message. I am Philadelphia. These are my friends, working class, blue-collar men and women, people who are a lot like me, my family, and my neighbors, who are really the backbone of our city. In this episode of Who's Running for Philly Mayor, Parker talks about the village within the city that raised her from a bumpy start in life and fueled her political career. You have an ad that talks about food stamps, public school. I feel like there's more in your background that says a lot about your grit and your character. And so I wanted to start there. Okay. Is that? That's fine. Okay. I'm a product of very humble beginnings. My mother was a single teenage mother. Um, She lived in North Philadelphia. When she got pregnant with me, she lived at 7th and Dolphin. I was raised by my grandparents who migrated from the south to Philadelphia. My grandmother, Manny, South Carolina, Daddy, Accomack County, Virginia. They meet and marry in North Philadelphia, have five children, and my mother was the only girl. Her name was Darlene, but her nickname was Dolly. Only girl Dolly, you get it. Nevertheless, she got pregnant as a teenager, My grandparents knew that she wasn't in a space or place to take care of a child, so they, in turn, raised me. And I would argue that they did the best they could with what they had. My grandmother was a a domestic worker. My grandfather was a retired Navy veteran. Um, My grandmother, um, I remember today, like going to get public assistance to help take care of me because she she was done raising her children. All of a sudden, she ends up with this child, and she's doing it all over again. And so they did the best they could with what they had. But, Pat, it was the village, teachers, you know, in school, uh, coaches. Uh, People are, like, shocked when I tell them I was a cheerleader for the Oakland Wildcats. I ran track for the Philadelphia Flames. And then there was another layer to that uh, from my community that consisted of Marion Tasco, Augusta Clark, and ultimately State Rep Dwight Evans. Okay, three political forces in the city. Dwight Evans is now a congressman. The late Gussie Clark was a city councilwoman. And Marion Tasco is a retired member of city council. But she had almost a machine in northwest Philadelphia. How did you get connected with those folks? Uh, I met Marion Tasco when I was 17 years old. In 1990, I became the first student in the history of the school district of Philadelphia to win both the citywide Black History Month oratorical contest and Women's History Month oratorical contest. Augusta Clark was chair of education, and we got an opportunity to come to council and give our speeches, the winners, for high school, middle school, and elementary. And when I walked into city council chambers, I said, this is a big room. It's a fancy room. I had never been in there before. And Gussie Clark introduced me to Marion Tasco. She said, I'm at large, um, but Marion Tasco is the council person for your neighborhood, and you should know her. And from the day that Marion Tasco and I met, she and Gussie took me under their wings, and both of them referred to me as their other daughters. And that's how we connected. 
and Tasco made you an intern in her office, answering phone calls from constituents. But you didn't get into politics right away. You went to Lincoln University, became a teacher. But clearly, Tasco and Clark and Evans, they saw something in you. I remember Tasco saying, you have a very powerful voice, and you have a sense of urgency as it relates to helping people. Do you understand why? And at first, I didn't know. She says, because you come from the same place in space that the people on the other end of the phone come from. They need help. Don't you ever forget that you needed help and think about all of the people who helped you. So it's almost like it's my responsibility to use education, to use government as a tool to fix things and to help people. Mm -hmm. And so you did go into elective politics, went to the state legislature first, and you often talk about that as what separates you from the other candidates that you've had experience at another layer of yes. government. And I wonder what exactly you learned in Harrisburg that the other candidates don't know. Number one, that Philadelphia's well runs dry. While we can do our best to attempt to grow our tax base when it comes to the funding of public education, social and human services, so much of what we do is dependent upon funding from the state. So if at any time we think that we can go to the state with a bullhorn and shout people down in a bipartisan way, both Republicans and Democrats, to make them do what we want, that's not how you get to yes in Harrisburg. You need strong advocacy, but you also need the leadership and willingness to sit down with people who you may agree to disagree with and have a conversation, not an argument. An argument, uh, you know, is about trying to figure out who's right. That's not where you want to go in Harrisburg. In Harrisburg, you want a conversation so that you can figure out what's right. Right. Not who's right, but what's right. And how do we get to yes and make the outcome a win win? And you need a strong coalition. This is where I learned the private sector. This is why you can't ignore business. Business has a very powerful voice in Harrisburg. And when we were trying to get a a number of things done, I don't care if it was dedicated funding out of Act 89 for SEPTA, if it was the cigarette tax or enabling authority for loop or to collect delinquent property taxes, we needed the chamber, the business community type folks to help us reach some members, particularly those who may have been on the other side of the aisle to say, yes, this is not just politics. This is about the the economic success of southeastern Pennsylvania as a region. And so goes our region. So goes the Commonwealth. So it's, it's not just Philadelphia, per se. Unlikely allies coming together to move forward on an agenda. And that, along with the Appropriations Committee, other folks, they can talk about, yeah, maybe we need to access support from government at the state level. But, Pat, I know the line items and the budget and the departments of where we go to get those dollars. No one brings that real-time experience on day one. So why did you decide to run for council? Well, because it was an opportunity now to come back to Philadelphia to service the district where I first learned how to provide public service and to have an immediate 
with the city's budget, um, the a very specific area where we could prescribe prescriptions that would allow people to see an immediate difference. That's also, uh, I would say, is a, a differing characteristic or element of, of my candidacy versus uh, the others. I have a litany of uh, tangible outcomes that I've delivered from improving commercial quarters, lighting, signages, cleaning commercial quarters, PHL taking care of business. Now you see people out on the street cleaning them. It eventually becomes a citywide program. Support for neighborhood-based small businesses, uh, power up your business, free technical support for uh, small businesses in Philadelphia. Pat, that's now the chief feeder for Goldman Sachs's 10,000 small businesses. I did all of that, Pat, within my first term, six years, right? So if I was able to get that accomplished, standing up all of those uh, programs, beautifying the, the neighborhood, imagine what we can do for the entire city of Philadelphia. You did do a lot for small business. You also, though, <laughs> uh, you did a lot for labor, yes. you know, with getting uh, parking attendance, fair wages and working conditions. And yet you're not associated with the quote unquote progressive block on council. Is it because that's something you shied away from? Well, so one, Pat, my because I've my entire life had to operate at the intersection of both race and gender as a black woman, I've been very intentional about never allowing anyone to put me in a box. She's in the black box or the woman's box. So she's only concerned about these social and human services issues, or she's a teacher. So she should only be concerned about education. When I was in Harrisburg, I was on the approach committee. I did finance. I did the, the pension system and, and stability. So when I'm working on labor issues, the idea that someone would put Sherelle Parker in one box first, I was progressive before progressive became a thing. I, I worked with Marion Tasco when we defined predatory lending when I was a staffer, right? It, the number one consumer protection uh, issue of, of the day during that time. So I saw Sort of, uh, you know, sort of push back a great deal when you're going to put me in a box. I fight for working families and believe in the power of union protection and helping to move Philadelphians from all walks of life to the middle class because of my own experience. And that lived experience to me is much more valuable than someone who wakes up one day and decides, oh, I see the light. I'm now going to dedicate my time and energy to fighting for these issues because they make me sleep well. Well, how about I support unions and working people because I know what it's like for folks like my grandmother who cleaned, you know, homes as domestics. But when they got so old that they couldn't do it, they uh, had no retirement security. They had no health care and they had to depend on public assistance. So when you think about my advocacy for labor, it comes from a real space and not a a, a white paper, you know, written by, uh, you know, someone who is, you know, has good intentions, but I have real life lived experience. Okay. And so now you're running for mayor. Yes. Was that always something that you thought you'd do or when did you start to think about it? 
Well, uh, Pat, I think when after serving for five years in Harrisburg as chair of the delegation and becoming the chief negotiator, this is important, KYW listeners. When I was the chief negotiator for Philadelphia in uh, Harrisburg in the House, we had a Republican governor a Republican-controlled House, and a Republican-controlled Senate. And I remember State Senator Vincent Hughes and I on the phone, in meetings, trying to figure out solutions. And I thought to myself, you know, understanding how Harrisburg works, starting in city council, now having an opportunity to go back to council, Sherelle, think about the value, that experience, what a tool it can be, uh, you know, for addressing all of the very complex challenges facing the city right now. So I think I would say in Harrisburg, that's when I knew that I would run again for council. My mentor, Marion Tesco, she would say, she said a long time ago, I'm going to retire. I've been at this for so long. And I would say, no, boss lady. That's my nickname for her, boss lady. No, boss lady, you're not going anywhere. But this time she was serious. And uh, I'm a mother. I'm a working mother to a 10-year-old uh, son. And um, uh, my husband uh, at the time, which I'm since divorced, he and I worked together to co-parent our son, talk with my family about it, and my extended family, my village that you hear me referring to. And they have all said everything about your life because you're not a, you know, you weren't born in a perfect nuclear family. Uh, some, the listening audience may remember Ward and June Cleaver. That wasn't my environment. But every challenge that I face, it's prepared me to meet this moment. So those life experiences, my professional develop, development, my academic preparedness as the first person in my family to graduate from college, Lincoln University, first-generation Ivy League graduate in my family, then experiencing counsel. I feel like I'm un- uniquely prepared to make the tough decisions needed to bring order back to our city, and we can do it with the people on our side. And if it turns out that after the primary you're not the nominee, what next? Well, one, we're going to win. Okay, okay we're going to win. KYW, we're going to win because we're going to have your support. We're working very hard to earn it. Uh, However, no matter what happens after this election, we're going to continue. I'm going to continue giving a thousand and one percent to improving the quality of life of our city. KYW, when you hear me say we're going to have the safest, cleanest, greenest big city in the nation, providing access to economic opportunity for all, I'm going to do that no matter the vehicle that we use to get there. I've dedicated my life to it because our city has given me so much. And it goes back to it's my responsibility to use every ounce of my lived experience, professional experience um, and uh, academic uh, prowess to use government as a tool. And quite frankly, public private partnerships, the philanthropic community everything that we can do to keep Philadelphia moving forward and thinking bigger and bolder, but also knowing KYW, when I make the tough decisions that need to be made to make our city, you know, safer, 
you know, and cleaner. And when I say safer, I'm talking about like addressing the opioid crisis, right? And and addressing this open air drug market, calling President Biden and, and Governor Josh Shapiro. You know, some people are not going to like the strategies that we may employ, but rest assured, it won't be like it is now with people saying we've been living like this for 10, 15 years in, in Kensington and nothing has changed in their community. We are going to address it and get it done. Well, those were all my questions. Is there anything you'd like to add? Oh, just that Philadelphia. Um, I want you to hope and believe again that we can change course and change the direction in our city. No longer will we be a pass through between Washington, D.C. and New York. I want arts and culture thriving. I want our restaurant scene and nightlife and hospitality thriving. I want retail industry growing. I want everyone to have opportunities to own a home, home ownership. That's what usually separated Philadelphia from other big cities, especially when it came to black and brown people and home ownership. Philadelphia was the place to be. We're going to be innovative and we're going to think bigger and bolder than we ever have have because Sherelle Parker will be a mayor who gets things done and not just talks about it. Well, thank you so much for coming thank in you, today. Pat. Thank you. Sherelle Parker is a former five-term state legislator elected twice to city council and is one of three women hoping to make history as the first female mayor of Philadelphia. In the next episode, former city controller Rebecca Reinhardt talks about leaving the private financial sector for city government. I really wanted to help government work better. And I felt strongly that I needed to come help Philadelphia. I grew up in the Philadelphia area and wanted to be on the right side of things. I'm KYW City Hall Bureau Chief Pat Loeb. You can listen to Who's Running for Philly Mayor on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you know someone else who wants to get to know the candidates, tell them about it too. Thank you for listening.